Hi there, and welcome to our inaugural episode of Lady Plays. I'm Cato Phelan. And I'm Lindy Rosario. And we're your intrepid producers who'll be bringing you a new play written by a female playwright every other month. Our first play is called Box of Lies, and it's written by Karen Diane Williams. Box of Lies is inspired by the life of author Anais Nin and features two characters, Anais herself, played by Kate, and Orin, played by Anar Gunn. Be sure to stick around after the play for an in-depth interview with our playwright Karen. Box of Lies, Act 1, Scene 1. An upscale airport bar, or a distinguished-looking man in his 60s sits at the bar with a glass of wine. Anais, a slight beautiful woman in her 40s, enters and sits next to him. She puts down her large shoulder bag. <sighs> a glass of something French, please. And a sandwich. I, I haven't got much time before my connecting flight. Everything's suspended. It uh, came over the loudspeaker. Really? For how long? Feels like I've been here forever. What happened? A tornado, a lightning storm, possibly a revolution. Eh, we just as well relax and enjoy ourselves. That's easy for you to say. I'm due to give a speech tonight at a very important conference. What sort of speech? The influence of psychoanalytic transference on the creative mind. You're a psychoanalyst. Well, I very well could be. What luck. I adore psychoanalysts. That means you haven't finished. I know. But what's the rush? I can't quite place your dialect. Where, where are you from? Los Angeles. Or New York. Depending on who's asking. Orrin Richards. Pleased to meet you, Dr. Richards. People call me Orr. People call me Anais. Anais from Los Angeles. Or New York. Depending on who's asking. Exactly. And what if it was me who was asking? Depends on where you're from. New York or Los Angeles? Or somewhere in between. That makes things more difficult. Let's say... I'm from Los Angeles. Then I'm from Los Angeles, too. What a coincidence. Isn't it? Pleased to meet you, Anais Paul. I live in the Sierra Madre with my husband, Rupert. He's a forest ranger. We have a little cabin in the woods. It's gorgeous there. Mm, an enviable lifestyle. Absolutely. A handsome young ranger, a secluded mountain town, a husband who adores me. What more could a woman want? Unless, uh, perhaps, she was having a glass of something French with a visiting New Yorker. True. Let's say I'm from New York. I come from New York, too. But what a coincidence. Isn't it? Anais Geiler. I live in Manhattan with my husband, Hugh. He's a banker, a very well-known patron of the arts. An enviable lifestyle. What more could a woman want? A man of means, man of the world, the perfect match for a woman who writes. Depending on who's asking. But let's say you're a psychoanalyst. Which I very well could be. You definitely talk like one. I might say the same of you. Well, I should hope so. I've had years of practice. There's no hurry. If you were a psychoanalyst, I might tell you a secret. Really? Which one? 
carry around a little box of lies. It's here in my bag, would you like to see? Anais takes a small card file out of her bag. Depending on who I'm talking to, I'll pull out one lie or another. I've told so many lies I have to write them down to keep my story straight. You mentioned you're a writer. A journalist? No, but I've always kept a journal ever since I was a girl. It's how I capture time. I recreate myself with every page. A novelist? Some of my best friends write novels. They shuffle the cards and lay them out to paint fantastic plot lines. But women create things differently. We drink life in and we gestate life. Our narratives sow chaos. Our voices run wild. Mm, regardless, you have a lovely voice. I still can't place your dialect. My parents were Cuban. I was born in France. My father left my mother and afterwards we traveled. I grew up in Barcelona and New York and Havana and Paris. That's quite a bit of growing up. Apparently I haven't finished. <laughs> if a psychoanalyst heard you say you that... You don't have to tell me. I've heard it all before. He might say you're torn between two worlds. You haven't found your perfect complement. The man who completes me? The father who abandoned you. You won't be at peace until you finally seduce him. You, you need to overpower him, and yet you need his dominance. You want to be the all-powerful Gaia, and at the same time, the helpless child. In other words, it's hopeless. Of course not. You just haven't found the right man yet. Couldn't the right man be two men? Ah, impossible. You'll have to keep looking. You know, this is the only place I ever feel at peace. What if my perfect compliment is here? On this tightrope between two lives, what if you're my soulmate, Doctor? Me? Perhaps I've made you up. You think I've sprung up from your box of lies? Why not? Hmm, that's an interesting theory. This could be a scene I'm writing. A scene from one of my books. A journal or a novel? There isn't any difference. That's what I've been trying to tell you. It it's something that happened, a chance encounter that somehow got stuck in my mind, and it made such a fascinating story, eventually I had to tell someone. Who? Does it matter? Well, I suspect it might matter a great deal. To your husband. New York or Los Angeles. Either or. You'd be surprised. I write everything. I sleep with my whole life under my pillow. He never reads a word. Then who are you writing to, Anais? Once, a wealthy collector offered me a fortune for some pornographic stories. So you wrote for him? You gave him what he wanted? Why not? He paid me a dollar a page. Was it worth it? Why do you keep asking me questions? It's my job. Money is useful sometimes, isn't it? What did you do with the money? I gave it to a friend, a novelist. You've burned through quite a bit of money, haven't you? We're writers. It's what we do. We turn money into words. Or vice versa. Mostly vice. And your husband? Tries to understand. He loves me. Because you're a whore or in spite of it? Does it matter? <laughs> of course it does. I'll tell you a secret, Doctor. 
People in general are far too obsessed with sex for their own good. Especially psychoanalysts. All I did was scribble a few moments. A few of the artists I knew when I was a model in Paris. The tingle running from your toes to the top of your head as you slip the robe off. <laughs> None of it actually happened, you know, and no one is ever going to read it. Except for your private collector? It was a lark. Perhaps he's your soulmate. God, no. Your true audience. That old degenerate? Your father. That charlatan? Your analyst. That con artist? Do you think I'm an idiot? You've spent your whole life seducing him, whoring for him, writing for him. It's what I do. I turn passion into words. And they call you a feminist. They can call me what they want. There's an ache inside you, Anais. An emptiness. A longing. I don't believe a word of it. Let me fill you. Don't you understand? Look on the page. I did what I wanted. I wrote what it felt like. I took off my clothes and let them look at me because I liked it. And I'm sitting here wearing this dress you love and this lipstick and sifting through my box of lies and I'm talking to myself because you don't exist. You're slipping a dollar in between my breasts and you don't have a face. You're a fantasy. I made you up. What should I care what you think of me? Guess what? I've been doing this for years because I like psychoanalysts. They're obsessed with sex and everything's suspended and it feels like I've been here forever and damn it, I wanna get laid. You think you can complete me? Dream on, doctor. You won't ever complete me. No one will. And I'm going to write down every word, and if I were a man, you'd worship me. Perhaps I do. She kisses him. That's my flight. It's boarding. Which way are you headed? New York. Or Los Angeles. Stay. Give me your card. He gives her a business card. She takes it, scribbles something on it. What are you writing? Anise puts the card in her box. For posterity. Tell me. Someday. I need to know. There isn't any hurry. No hurry at all. Now I'd like to get some context about the piece from our playwright, Karen Diane Williams. Karen, why did you choose Anise Nin as your main character? Um, you know, in a way I chose Anise Nin kind of on a whim. Um, it was interesting, I had been having a conversation with my husband about um, her book, Delta Venus, which was the only book of hers I had ever read prior to getting involved in this project and doing research on her. And um, I remember we were talking about her and wondering if she had ever done anything else. And I was like, well, of course. I mean, uh, Delta Venus is f fun, but it's just kind of a bit of fluff. And I thought she must have done other things in, in her life to be as famous and renowned as, as she is. So... 
Um, the very next day, I remember um, going on Facebook and hearing about the 365 Women Project, um, which is a project that started on Facebook for female playwrights um, to try to encourage these playwrights to write about great women in history. And the idea of the project is that um, there was going to be a play written each day of the year for a famous um, female from history by a living female playwright. So um, they, were, they were putting out an open call for women to get involved in this project, and I was really excited, and I thought, oh, maybe I, I was just talking about Anise Nin. Maybe I'll do some research and write about her. So that's what I did. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad you chose her. When did the theme of reality versus perception start to factor into this story, Box of Lies? Oh, gosh. Well, I think the, the, that theme kind of jumped out at me um, the minute I started to do research about, about uh, Anis Nin and, and her life and her work because um, I feel like um, it was a theme that she not only dealt with in her writing, but that she actually kind of lived in her life. I mean, uh, she really did uh, seem to not only live a double life, but um, create this um, kind of aura of, of fiction and mystery about herself. <laughs> I think she actively cultivated that in her life. So, um, and, and she was truly obsessed with psychoanalysis and... Um, uh, the idea of, I think, literal truth versus um, internal narrative and emotional truth. So, um, yeah, those, those are the themes that really jumped out at me, reading about her and learning more about her. Right, great. Going off that, what does identity mean in, in this world of Anais Nin and in the world of the play? Um, I think identity is something that is always shifting, always changing for her. Um, I think that she had not only one identity, not only uh, two identities on the West Coast and the East Coast, but she had many, many identities as, as a writer and I think as, as a woman. And I think she enjoyed that kind of sense of, of fluidity and not necessarily being... Um, one thing, but meaning many different things to many different people, and I'm sure many different things to her readers as well. How does this play reflect you as a writer? Um, I think it reflects me as a writer because I have always been interested in uh, these kinds of transitory states, the, the spaces between... Um, two lives. Um, we, were, we were talking earlier and I told you that I love using airports as settings in my play. I've done this before because um, I love the idea of a space that's kind of like in transit, um, that's kind of su suspended and not really one place or another, but, but in a state of suspension or a state of flux. What does it mean to you to be a female playwright? Um... Wow, that's a question that, I mean, although I've, I've often been involved in, like, female playwrights organizations and women's organizations, I don't know that I've ever really thought much about what it means to me to be a female playwright. I mean, I don't know how I would 
ever be any other kind of playwright. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it just seems like my natural state of being. Um, but I, I think in a sense that f female playwrights do by necessity have to write about the female experience and about women's experience because they are women and I mean a female playwright's voice is going to be a female voice you know um absolutely so even though I think you know as a as a female playwright I can certainly write about men and I can write about um other experiences and other lives besides my own but I am always going to be writing from a uniquely female voice I think Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, sure thing. I really enjoyed it. Big thanks to our director for today's episode, Samantha Tella, Chris Gillard for Soundhouse Audio, our sound designer, our actor, Einar Gunn, and especially to Karen Diane Williams for her fantastic play. For more information about Lady Plays and to find out how to get involved, please head to greenroomblog.com and click on the Lady Plays podcast tab, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find both me and Lindy on Twitter at, at Kate O'Fallon and at Literary Lindy. Thanks for listening, and keep an eye out for our next episode to be released in May. 